This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Transfer Show. Joining you the morning after Arsenal have beaten West Ham United in the Premier League's reopening game of the second two-thirds of the season. Now, this isn't the Raw Reaction Show. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a second. This is the Arsenal Transfer Show uh, with some massive news dropping yesterday. I wanted to make sure that we covered all bases today. So you're going to be getting two shows today breaking down not only the transfer news and all the latest information about Arsenal, in today's show, but we'll also be doing a little bit later on a more dedicated look at yesterday's victory over West Ham. Good morning, everybody joining us in the chat box. Matt G, good morning to you, to Olu, to Yomi, to Black Shine. Good morning to Bradley and Granddaddy Guna, uh, MRM, uh, Paul. We've got Steve Stone, Mohammed, Stevie, Canoe, Bradley. Uh, we've got uh, Amira and Keems. Uh, we've got Kaiser, Jose, Harvey, uh, Kevin. Uh, PJ, DJ, D10, Aaron, Oderile, Machiavelli, and plenty more of you guys joining us in the chat box as well, which is always fantastic to see. Um, so yes, I'll, I'll talk more about all the stuff that's going to be happening today a little bit later on. But thank you everybody for joining us. Do indeed drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you are new. So let's move on to our first note to talk about today, which is, of course, that yesterday I uploaded on Boxing Day um, a announcement video talking about my permanent position at Football.London. If you want to go back and watch that video, it is the latest upload on the channel. A massive thank you to everybody that did watch that show yesterday morning and to those that left some really kind comments. I have endeavoured to try and reply to all of them. If I somehow have missed one out, I can only apologise. I really have tried to to answer every single comment that was left on the video. It means so much the support and uh, encouragement that you guys have given. And so I wanted to put something together to try and show that. And I hope you enjoyed the compilation at the start of that video. I also uploaded it to Twitter 
Instagram, I think, as well. So it's worth watching. Uh, it's a nice little nostalgia trip back in time. Um, but thanks to all of the kind words. Um, but uh, yes, much appreciated. Go watch that if you haven't done so already. It's uh, it's it's just a compilation anyway, and then a message at the end. It's 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 worth a watch. I thought it was quite good. Um, I will, as I say, be doing a reaction to Arsenal's win yesterday against West Ham. Um, in which I'll go into greater detail. I'll be joined by a guest or two around 2 p.m. UK time today. So make sure you set your alarms for that. I'll be doing a show this afternoon. So that'll be morning in the US, evening in the East, and lunchtime here in Europe. So make sure you set your clocks for that one. Uh, myself and a couple of guests or so will be looking into the win yesterday. But in short, an amazing victory. Very, very happy with how things went. And uh, you can't really complain too much when, even though you go a goal down, you come back in the second half with the performance that we saw. And to be honest, the performance across the entire game was great. But as I say, I'll go into more detail about that a little bit later today in the dedicated show. Arsene Wenger was in attendance for the game. He returned after four years away. Uh, it's taken some time, I think, for that wound of him being asked to leave the club to heal. Um, but it was good to see him back at the club, disassociating kind of my thoughts and feelings around some of the things that he said across the, the World Cup tournament, just focusing on the successes he had at Arsenal. I want to see him, you know, in, at, at the club. I want to see him integrated into the ongoings of what's happening. And I think it's an inspiration, of course, to see the most successful Arsenal manager in the ground and for those young players to have Arsene Wenger there to look up to for what he did and what his teams achieved whilst he was there. He wasn't the only interesting person at the game yesterday. Stan Kroenke and Josh were both at the game as well. Potentially more talks going on regarding Arsenal's January transfer plans and what they intend to do in the market to try and maintain a potential title challenge that will see them push on uh, and compete with, I was going to say Man City, but Newcastle are the nearest team to us right now. And we're going to have to be looking over our shoulder a bit at Newcastle after their result yesterday. Tottenham Hotspur also, of course, dropping points against Brentford, opening up an even more sizable gap. It's always nice when we get to look at the Premier League table, isn't it? We can revisit that right now. There's no point even time even waiting to look at the table because I think it's worth doing immediately. Arsenal sit 10 points clear of Spurs on 30 points, sitting in fourth place. And importantly, having played a game more, of course, 14 points clear of that fifth-placed spot, Manchester United side, who play Nottingham Forest in a game they're very much expected to win. Liverpool still 15 points behind us, despite playing the same amount of games and on the verge of making quite an interesting signing, which we'll talk about shortly. Mikel Arteta did talk after the game in which we addressed a number of topics, including transfers, which I'll talk about a little bit later on in the show. But he did talk about Eddie Nketiah in a lot of detail. He said he's a really confident boy, but hopefully it can give him more confidence about what he's capable of doing. If he had any doubts, I think his performance was really, really good. And on top of that, he scores a great goal. He needed it. Every striker needs a goal, but as well for Eddie and for the team, I think it is really important. He also reacted to Arsene Wenger being in the stadium. He said the players didn't know and we wanted to keep it quiet and allow that space for Arsene here. And it was a really special day. Thank you so much to him for coming. Hopefully walking through the building, he's going to feel every everything that everybody thinks of him, everything that he left here. His presence is something that has to be very attached to this football club. So thank you for doing that because it means a lot to everybody in the club. I'm going to now I'm going to go speak to him now. Hopefully he'll be waiting for us 
in the dressing room. So Bakaya Saka would have finally got his wish and met Arsene Wenger, we imagine, last night, unsurprisingly so. Um, but it was great to see him, obviously, back in Arteta feels the same. He was asked about whether he was involved in the process of inviting him. He says, I've been involved in the process, but it's about him, the timing that he needed to make that step. And hopefully he's going to live here and will be willing to spend more time with us and be around us because he's such an influence. For me personally, my career and the way I see the game, but as well for this football club. Now, we know that Arsene Wenger, I think, has a uh, apartment in the old Highbury Stadium. So he can stay close by, very close by indeed, if he wants to. Um, moving forward to transfers, uh, Liverpool have met the asking price that PSV were after for Arsenal's transfer target, according to the plenty of reports in the last month, few months or so, for Cody Gakpo, who will join uh, them this winter. A 34 to £37 million deal with a... Add-ons rising to the £50 million figure seems a very good price tag for a player that some reports suggested could be going for upwards of £70 million. They've managed to get him on a very good fee, certainly one that I think will raise some eyebrows in the Arsenal community, certainly one that I think will raise some questions about thinking, well, why didn't Arsenal? Well, from my perspective, the reason why Arsenal didn't go in for Cody Gapo is that despite all his goals and all his assists, they aren't necessarily convinced. They aren't convinced about a number of aspects of his game, such as his pressing and his energy, and also the way in which he would fit into the Arsenal team with his style. I am interested uh, to know why they made that decision or why they aren't necessarily sold by him. But those are what I've been told about the reasons as to why Arsenal didn't push for Gatpo. But that, of course, the big news of Mikhailo Mudrik, which we'll talk about shortly, that has had a big impact on, on the ability of Arsenal to go in for Cody Gakpo as well. Now, Joao Felix, Arsenal do genuinely continue to be linked with the Atletico Madrid player. A race to sign him on loan is hotting up, uh, especially with the uh, addition of Chelsea to that race as well. Uh, according to the Telegraph yesterday, Chelsea have officially joined the race along with Arsenal and Manchester United to sign the Portuguese forward on loan until the end of the season. Atleti wants a significant loan fee in the region of £8 million with, you know, potentially wages that could rise that whole investment to around 13, 12, 13 million euros. It is a sizable investment, but Chelsea are said to want to strengthen uh, after, of course, they've lost a number of kind of forward options in the past and some at the moment aren't really firing for them like a Bamian, but Armando Breuer's injury is the big factor in this. United want him because of Ronaldo's exit and Arsenal wants him because of Gabriel Jesus's injury. So three big clubs will be vying it out for Joao Felix. Who wins? We'll have to wait and see. Now, the big news of yesterday, besides the big result, was, of course, that Arsenal's official bid became public for Mikhailo Mudrik, initially reported by a journalist out in Ukraine and then given more detail initially by Fabrizio Romano, who claims that a 40 plus 20 million pound bid for Mudrik was made to Shakhtar Donetsk. Now, that bid is yet to be rejected. However, there is expectation that it will indeed be rejected. That, however, is not expected to deter Arsenal, and Arsenal will indeed return with another offer. There are some indications that Arsenal may be willing to go as high as €70 million Euros for the player, but there are some suggestions that uh, Shakhtar Donetsk are still holding out for a bid close to £80 million. Pounds. So you're looking in the region of around €85 to €87 million Euros to try and get a deal done for Mudrik, which would, of course, make him a record signing for Arsenal. Arsenal are determined not 
for that to happen. Arsenal do not want Mikhailo Mudrik to have the the tagline of Arsenal's most expensive ever signing on his back. It's something they are very, that I understand, trying to avoid happening. They don't want him to have that pressure. They want Arsenal to bring it. They want, Arsenal want to be able to bring him in without, yes, they're still going to have a, a massive kind of, you know, a, a price tag associated with him. He's going to have that pressure. But Arsenal categorically are trying to avoid making him their record signing to avoid that additional pressure that he simply doesn't need. £72 million takes it up to around that €80 million Euro figure anyway. If Arsenal can get it done for a £60 million kind of figure, so you're looking at around 67 to €70 million, Euros, that is a lot of money. Don't get me wrong, a hell of a lot of money. But a lot of that would, of course, be done in add-ons and hopefully Arsenal can get it done for a price they still feel is reasonable. Uh, now, Mudrik posted rather... I, this is so intriguing and genuinely one of the strangest sagas I've seen for a player when the player so desperately wants to join Arsenal. That Last night on Mudrik's Instagram story, he posted a video of him watching Arsenal. Um, he's also been liking a number of the posts that have been linking and claiming that Arsenal have bidded for him. I've never seen a player want a move to Arsenal so desperately to happen. It's obviously a great sign for us and we want to see players pushing for those moves. I've had some discussions in group chats and with the friends of mine saying with some feeling that maybe it's not the best sign and it's not very professional. Now, from my perspective and my understanding of the player is that he is a very professional individual in terms of his training. He stays on for extra sessions. He, he turns up early. And that is one of the big things that I think has sold Arteta and the club on Mudrik is his attitude to the game, his attitude and commitment to becoming better, to developing into the best player he can possibly be. Obviously, this is a bit of a question mark. I think it certainly would be for Arsenal fans if it was the other way around and say, I used the example last night on the Arsenal way of if Saka was doing this, you know, we'd be pretty irritated by it. But, uh, you know, he is doing everything he can to try and get this move done. Now, fingers crossed we can get it done. What I like is the fact that Arsenal are being very aggressive in this market, trying to get a big player done at the start of the window. Same as Liverpool with Cody Gakpo. Arsenal are trying to get Mudrik in as early as they can. And then they can focus their efforts on other areas like Ralph Felix and like potentially a midfielder as well. There's been other links over the last couple of days or so to the likes of Yuri Tillemans and Bamba, uh, the uh, the Italian uh, international, of course, who's playing in Portugal right now. It'll be very interesting and Arsenal get three signings done this winter. I predicted two, but with the way things are going, who knows? Maybe something will really surprise us this winter and we could end up getting more than the two that most of us are expecting to happen. That completes all of today's stories. As I said, if you want to get a further breakdown of yesterday's game, hold on. 2 p.m. today, UK time, we'll be bringing you that. But we're going to move to part two and your questions right after this. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. (laughs) 
So, whilst I said I'm going to um, be focusing more on the game later on, of course, if you have questions about the game, that's fine. I will tackle those um, because I imagine we'll be doing more discussion-based stuff uh, a little bit later on today. Um, Jonathan says, said before, and I say it a bit again, Erdegaard is the best player at this club and would be hardest to replace if he got injured. The kid is talented um, and the best of him is yet to come. I think that I, you know, I have been a huge Huge backer, as you all know, of Martin Odegaard. He's the guy that is on the back of my favourite Arsenal shirt, probably of all time, in this year's away shirt with the black one. Because I just, there's just something about that player, his ability, his vision, his style, the way in which he wants to play football. There's something just patently Arsenal about Martin Odegaard. And I love that aspect of him. And you're right, he is probably the most difficult, one of the most difficult players to replace in this team. Maybe the most difficult is a tough one. You know, Gabriel Jesus has been big. I think Saliba would be tough. Partey, of course, as well. What's great is that we've got so many good players that make it very hard to replace them. I think it goes to show how important it was for us to sign Fabio Vieira. He's a player that we absolutely need to make sure that we brought in because if Erdegaard does go down for any reason, we really don't have that creative spark. But Vieira is someone I think has the ability to have certainly a a sizable impact on the team if he was to replace Odegaard for whatever length of time if he was indeed out. Um, Tom says, Mudrik is helping us keeping his transfer fee sensible. That's great. That's a proof that he's in the perfect mindset to join us. Maybe it is having an impact on that. We often talk about that. You know, remember Lucas Torreira? And I remember discussing Lucas Torreira and saying he's absolutely just plummeted his transfer fee. I mean, it was a very different scenario, of course, but... Maybe it is helping us with the fee. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Reese says uh, he's highly religious and seems a decent guy. Shakhtar will get good money for him. Of course, he does have a, a Jesus tattoo. Uh, we assume it's Jesus. Whether or not it's Gabriel Jesus, <laughs> we don't know. It's a running joke that's been going on around. But clearly, yeah, that, he's a committed guy, passionate guy. Maybe that's part and parcel of what his his, his personality is. Uh, Machiavelli says, do you think Mudrick will force a move if Shakhtar continue to play hardball? Players can only do so much. He's under he's under a long term contract. You know, forcing a move is is never that straightforward. You can turn around and say, "I'm not going to play," but players don't tend to do that. They don't really want to completely sever the relationship with their club. I don't imagine that he would do that, but maybe there's signs that he might force as much as he can. We'll have to wait and see. I think I remember seeing a super chat earlier on in the show. Uh, Ali G, thank you so much. Brilliant name, by the way. Uh, congrats on the new contract. I wish you all the best in your career. Also, shout out to our own Benny Blanco, my player of the season so far. Ali, first of all, thank you so much for the support. Massively appreciated. Secondly, I am so over the moon that Ben White is justifying everything that we have thought, said, predicted about him, his price tag, you know, all of that stuff. The investment we put in him is being returned. I could not be happier with Benjamin Blanco um, because he has been outrageously good. The play he had for the goal for Enketia, he's gutting that I don't think that counted as an assist for some reason. I, I might need to watch it back, but the little dink, like, I just, it's just beautiful. Like part and parcel of what that build-up to that goal was all about Ben Blanco. And uh, I am... So excited to see where his career kind of takes him um, because I think he's got so much talent, so much versatility in his game. He's going to be an important player for us in the future. I genuinely believe, you know, when we go into the Champions League next season, we might sign a right back in the future. 
But the fact that you can play right back or right sided centre back, I think, is going to enable us plenty of change, plenty of options in defence. He's a big part of that. So I can't wait to see how his his career develops at this club because he's a fantastic footballer that deserved a lot more respect than he got from, unfortunately, a small portion of our fans. But uh, he's been excellent. And uh, I I don't think I really ever doubted the guy, to be honest. And Mohamed says, question, Tom, uh, what do you think is a fair price for Mudrik taking into account how much more established and higher market value Gakpo was sold for? Again, I don't like comparing players and price tags. You know, well, the thing is, we say you look at what Gakpo costs. Well, we could say, well, look at what Anthony costs. Look at what Grealish costs, you know. And that's the justification that Shakhtar Donets are giving as to why they want such a high figure for Mudrik. It's because they're looking at Anthony and Grealish go for that amount of money and thinking, wow, you know, that's mad. So it's impossible to, to compare players because some players go for under what we think they'd be worth, like Gakpo is, and some are going for well above what we think they're worth, like Anthony and like Grealish. So it's, it's impossible to compare price tags. So I would encourage you, if you're having any of your debates on Twitter and social media today or in the future, and if any discussions come up about prices and how this team have paid this price for that player and this team have played this price for that player... I would encourage you not to involve yourselves in too much of those back and forth because it's just not a legitimate way of making any kind of estimation around a price. What do I think is a fair price for Mudrik Mohamed? Ultimately, the fair price is what the market dictates. It's what Shakhtar are going to be willing to sell for and it's what the buying club are going to be willing to go to. Now, it also will depend upon how he performs. If he performs like a 60, 70 million pound player, he would have justified that. Not many thought us, not many of us thought that Ben White was worth 50 million pounds when we signed him. I think he's given performances that certainly replicate that of a £50 million player, if not more, and it comes down to plenty of other factors. So it's really difficult to kind of judge price tags in this way. Um, Tab says, Tom, because I'm someone who's not afraid to criticise Martin Odegaard, I would like my praise to be as loud as my criticism. Wow, his best ever performance in the shirt, in my opinion. He deserved a goal. Well, I love these types of comments, Tabs. I love it when someone holds their hands up and says, you know, I've criticised this guy and I've got to throw my hands up in the air and say when they've done well. I love that. You know, it's important to say that you can be critical, you know, and it's it's not for me or anyone else to tell you that you can't be critical. You know, I was I was critical of Eddie Nketiah in the first half yesterday in the sense that he's just not Gabriel Jesus. You know, there is a very clear difference between the two and there's a clear difference in the way that we play with Nketiah and with Jesus. With Nketiah, we're playing much more direct into him and he's playing off the last man, whereas Jesus is a lot more involved in the build-up and so the way we play is slightly different. We have to adapt to that. That's not a criticism. It's just kind of an observation. Yet it gets perceived very easily as a criticism at times. And certainly I got plenty of tweets in the second half kind of like, ha ha, you know, can't believe you said this sort of thing when I still very much stand by what I said in the first half. And I was over the moon to see him score in the second. And getting that goal was was critical. I was, you saw from the tweet I put out when he scored, I was delighted. I was punching the air when he scored that goal. Not because I'm an Arsenal fan, just because I'm an Arsenal fan and I want to see Arsenal score, because it's so important that Eddie Nketiah scored. So criticisms of any player, as long as they're respectful, are fine. It's when you get people using abusive terminology to describe players that, you know, we don't really need anything to, to do with those people. You know, that's the type of when it goes too far. 
You're allowed to be critical. Just do it respectfully. That's absolutely fine. I think, Tarbs, you've done that. So that's no problem at all. Uh, another super chat coming in from Aya, uh, one of our regular contributors to the channel. Uh, Tom, maybe you can explain, but why do fans just quickly jump into conclusions and think you don't rate a player when you point out one thing? It's as if you just have to be black or white. To, uh, to no nuances with it. Yeah, you know, the kind of the black and white thing, you know, chalk and cheese, these types of comparisons with players, two sides. It's a shame. Uh, it's a shame with, with that I think that people put themselves into kind of these camps um, with players that either, you know, remember we used to have it with Arsene Wenger. We've even had it with Arteta, AKBs and WOBs and, you know, things like this. Like we've had it for a long time. And the Arsenal fan base mentality is quite often to put yourself into one camp or another. And if someone criticizes the player that you're in the camp of, you have to vehemently go at at you. Like you go at them, you're pointing out all these stats. You know, Ozil was one of those players. Saliba quickly became one of those players as well. I think, unfortunately, there are some players like Gabriel that get a bit of a reputation too quickly and gets a lot of criticism when actually he's a very good player. It's a shame. And again, if you're watching this, I would encourage you not to put yourself into those camps of players. You know, Martin Odegaard's, and it's tough. Like Martin Odegaard, if we go to use that example, I'm a huge fan of Martin Odegaard. So when he has a bad game, and I see a lot of criticism of his game, it, it's so much more tempting for me to try and look for the good things in his game and try and defend him. Now, it's important that you accept the fair criticisms of players that you like. That's that's part and parcel of being a fan. You know, you can love a player, but you have to hold your hands up and say, if, you know, if they've had a bad game, that they've had a bad game. And, you know, Martin Odegaard does, in some cases, have quieter games when we'd like him to be more influential. We got three or four really big games against Brighton, Newcastle, Spurs and Manchester United. And we need to make sure that Martin Odegaard is alive and kicking in those games. Because one of the criticisms of him is that he's gone missing in some of the big games this season. Well, we've got four big games coming up. Let's hope that Martin Odegaard can do everything he can to get the job done and help Arsenal through. But yeah, it's a shame that some people can't um, either hack criticism of a player that they like that is just and fair and equally, it's a shame that if it's a player that someone just doesn't particularly like or a manager that someone doesn't particularly like, that they can't hack when those players or coaches do well and they then can't unfortunately change their own position on a player because it's just too embarrassing to change your mind for some. Uh, Crossfire says, would you consider the Mexican striker Santi Jimenez from Feyenoord? He's been doing excellently in the Eredivisie and the Europa League and I wouldn't mind him. Don't know much about him, to be honest, mate. Uh, I don't know much about him at all. Santi Jimenez, Santiago Jimenez plays for uh, Feyenoord. Have a quick check on him. You know, I like looking up and getting some new players down in my list. So this is once when I give up playing FIFA, and this sounds mad, but it's genuinely true. People that play FIFA have a really good knowledge of lots of different players across the world. Not necessarily how they are in real life, but certainly they get a good update on who's kind of doing well, who's getting informed cards and things like that. And it does broaden your knowledge of players for sure. Ever since I stopped playing FIFA, you know, that's definitely affected kind of my um, ability to have a broader spectrum of knowledge of, of kind of who's doing really well right now. Thankfully, if you listen to enough podcasts, you can cover that. But I just don't want to play FIFA. <laughs> uh, 12 goals and 26 appearances this season, one assist. Not bad for a player that is is 21 years of age. But what I would say is that without me knowing too much about him stylistically, I can't comment too much crossfire. But one to add to the list, that's for sure. Um, Lucas says, what do you think about the fact that opposition teams are constantly troubling us? Chelsea, Wolves, Leeds, etc. Down the left, there's Tinian and Zinchenko aren't there. I think it will be exploited soon. Uh, 
Lucas, I think that in short, the way to tackle this is that a perfect performance in football rarely exists. It it just it doesn't exist. And so if the expectation is that you, you aren't going to see the opposition get an, an opportunity down one of our more offensive flanks, then you're never going to be you're never going to be satisfied. You're never going to be satisfied. Manchester City, the best team in the country, still for me, you know, across the last few years are still exploited defensively on the side that Cancelo moves forward on, on the side that sometimes they see Carl Walker get too forward on. Now, thankfully for Carl Walker, he has the pace and recovery speed of a world-class fullback to get back. But Gerard Cancelo often leaves them exposed. Sometimes they can be exposed if Rodri pushes too far, far up the pitch and there's a big gap between the midfield and the centre-backs. You know, there are exploitations in every team. Every team has a weakness. You can't get rid of it. But the thing is, the, to point out kind of our left flank as being a bit of a problem... We beat Chelsea, we beat Wolves, and we beat Leeds. And it's a really important point to say that Mikel Arteta's philosophy of if you are the better team in every game that you play, you will be rewarded across the season. Football means that you can have 20 shots on goal and the opposition can have one and they can win 1-0. That's football. That's the sport. That's just what happens. That's why we love it. We love it for its unpredictability. We love it for its unjust nature in some games, giving hope to smaller sides or uh, surprising results. Yes, we are going to be exploited down that left-hand side. Yes, we are going to concede goals because our left-hand side has an inverted nature, which gives us so much more in attack. But I tell you what, if we didn't have that, if we had the equivalent of what Ben White does on the left-hand side, you know, and we've done that in some games, and we did that against Leeds, you know, in that game that I thought Leeds were the only team that's been better than us this season in the league, and we still managed to win when we had Tommy Asso on the left and White on the right. And if you think back to the Liverpool game, you know, we played Tommy Asso on the left, we played White on the right, and we had a situation whereby Liverpool in the first half were the better team, and we managed to come back more in the second. But tactically, it was really important that we did that to nullify the threat of Liverpool's right-hand side. Uh, because some teams are just going to have too good of a, right, a right-hand side to us to have kind of throwing caution to the wind, if you will. Chelsea, Chelsea, I think we dominated. It's a strange one that you've included Chelsea in there, Lucas, because Chelsea was a game for me in which it symbolised Arsenal's kind of trans transformation into a side that is no longer going to Stamford Bridge, playing on the counter, looking like the inferior team, coming to fortunately get a result. The Chelsea game to me was a game in which Arsenal signified their dominance and their next step, that they went above Chelsea that they went in, not into, you know, the tier of what Chelsea are, but the tier above Chelsea, that game. So I'm surprised you used that as an example. I know that Chelsea had chances, especially down our left, but we dominated that game so handily and so convincingly, and the Wolves game as well, which to be honest, you know, the Wolves game was an interesting one in itself, but only the Leeds game I looked to as a game where we didn't play as well. Um, and uh, ironically, what's funny is that that's an example where neither Tierney nor Zinchenko started that game. Tommy Asu did. Uh, and obviously, we we benefited from having a more defensive game in some senses because we kept another clean sheet. I th- The reason why I'm spending so long on this comment is because it's so important to me that people remember that a perfect performance doesn't really exist. And to expect a perfect performance from a team and expect a team with no weaknesses is an expectation too far. We're going to be exploited at times. We're going to have teams really use that space on our left-hand side to try and score. We need to be the better team across the 90. And across a whole season, when you're the better team across a 90 in nearly all the games that you play, 
you're rewarded with a very, very good finish. And that's what matters, is being the better team. Because under Unai Emery, and because under the under the end of, of Arsene Wenger's era, for a lot of the games during their tenures, we weren't the better team. Sometimes we were getting the results when we weren't the better team, and we came out thinking, phew, thank goodness we did that. Or we'd do it at the start of Arteta's tenure, where we would say, you know, the Arsenal teams of old probably lost that, and we were right, but I don't really want to be saying that. I don't really want to be in a position where I'm talking about us in a sense of, yeah, an old Arsenal probably lost that game because I want to see us dominating every game. I want to see Arsenal being the better team every game. And this season under Arteta, besides the Leeds game in the league, that's what we've been. We've been the better team in every single game bar one. And even in that one, we managed to win because our defence was was outstanding on the day. So I hope that's a long, long-winded answer to tackle your comment, Lucas. Um, but uh, I hope that it makes some form of sense. <laughs> so there you go. Um, let's scroll down a bit more um, to get some more comments. I can stay on a bit longer because I am off today. Lovely stuff. Uh, ben says, Tom, do you think that Arsenal currently have the best midfield in the league? Partey, Erdogan and Xhaka have been brilliant. Oh, do we have the best midfield in the league? Is that midfield better than Rodri, De Bruyne, and Bernardo Silva or Gundogan. It's pretty close, isn't it? You know, Jacker. Would I swap him for, for would I swap him for Gundogan or Bernardo Silva? No. Would I swap uh, Partey for for Rodri? No. Would I swap Erdegaard for Kevin De Bruyne? Now, if Kevin De Bruyne was the same age as Martin Erdegaard, yes. But I tell you what, Martin Erdegaard at 23, 24 years of age, I, I wouldn't swap him. And that might sound mad. But with De Bruyne reaching the twilight years of his career, he's better than Odegaard right now. Don't get me wrong. He's the better player right now. But I wouldn't swap him because I think we've got a player that's going to be as good as Odegaard is and more you know, through the next few years or so. I love these comments yesterday where he said, I plan on being at Arsenal for a while. He loves this club. He feels like it's, it's home. He feels finally like a club has given him that responsibility that he needed. Um, and I think he he's paying that back. Yeah, you know, he's paying that faith that Arteta and Arsenal have put in him to be the guy in the team. So yeah, we have the best starting midfield three in the league right now. Yes, Ben, we do. Um, so yeah, and that's a great, great feeling because the the midfield used to be one of the weaker parts of our team, which is mad to think about considering we're Arsenal Football Club. But genuinely, it used to be one of the big drawbacks compared to the other teams in the league. The midfield needed work. It's had significant work, both through investment and through coaching in the form of Xhaka. It's improved significantly. It's not just about throwing money. And again, that's the credit to Arteta. You know, it's not just about throwing money at an area of the pitch. Arteta has not done that. You know, we've spent £75 million on Partey uh, and on um, Erdegaard under Arteta. Xhaka, we spent a lot of money on, but a long time ago. And through coaching and investment and the combination of the two, we have now certainly put ourselves in a position where we've got this midfield that is the dominant force in the league. And that's a credit to the recruitment team. But I think most of all, it's a credit to Arteta and the coaches for making it this good. Um, Let's go to Ali, who says, aren't we concerned about Mudrik and what he might be unable to offer immediately? He'll come good, but maybe in one to three years. Liao is overused. uh, Liao is an overused name but he's the one who can offer us a lot now and in the future. Uh, Ali, it's a fair question. And my answer to that question can be answered um, by a completely selfish plug. Uh, Now, last week, I wrote a piece uh, which was titled 
The 23 minutes that proved to Edu that Mikhailo Mudrik can be the perfect January signing for Arsenal. Now, I'm going to leave a link to that in the chat box. I'm also going to change the video description to include this article as well for those of you that haven't yet had a chance to read it. I'm just putting it into the video description for you now. Now, if you are one of these people, uh, and it's a fair point of view to have, to have these doubts about whether or not Mudrik can have an immediate impact on the team, like Ali, I would encourage you to go read this article. The reason why is it describes the game in which Mudrik came on in the last 23 minutes of Ukraine's game against Scotland. Ukraine were leading the game 2-1 at this point in time, and Mudrik comes on and utterly destroys Scotland's right-hand side and brilliantly executes so many counter-attacks on uh, Ukraine's left and through the middle. We don't, we, we don't need Madrid to come in and start games in these last six months. That is not what this signing is about this season. What we need Mudrick to do is that when we're leading by a goal in a 1-0 scoreline or a 2-1 scoreline, as we will be, as we have been against Southampton as an example this season, what we need Mudrick to do is be a killer. And that is what Mudrick can be for us, is we, he can be a bit of a killer in that final third, in those last parts of games. In the future, he will develop into someone who can do far more than just kill off games for us. But we don't need someone to come in and do that this season. Martinelli is not injured. Saka is not injured. Touchwood. Emil Smith-Rowe is coming back. Jesus will be back in February, March time. We aren't looking to bring in someone that's going to start over Saka and over Martinelli right now. And so Mudrik coming in and being the guy that can come off the bench and add some variety and some rotation in games in Europe as well, we need him to be the guy that can be our finisher. We need him to be the guy this season that can come off the bench and kill games for us. Because at the moment, and if you looked at the bench yesterday, we had Fabio Vieira and Marquinhos as our options. And typically we have Reese Nelson there as well. And that's not enough. That's not enough. We need more. We need more quality coming off the bench to help us kill games. And we need to be able to rest Saka and rest Martinelli a lot more and give them more minutes uh, off the field in the second half of games. So that's what Mudrick is about. That is exactly why we're signing him. And that is why I'm utterly obsessed with watching back that 23 minutes that I'd encourage you to go read. Uh, there's clips, uh, there's analysis, there's statistics of that game. I'd encourage you to go and watch it. But it's so important that we get this deal done and get this type of player in because that is exactly what we need between now and the end of the season. So there you go, Ali. I hope that answered your question. Um, Olu says, genuine question, Tom. Eddie has 11 goals in his last 11 starts and he keeps getting better. Why don't you rate him or what do you want to see from him? Okay, it's a strong question of saying, why don't I rate him? What I say about Eddie Nketiah is that I don't see him as Arsenal's long-term starting striker. Now, if, if you want to define that as not rating him, that's that's up to you. That's fair enough. I can't stop you. I think that's probably a too harsh of a description. I have really tried to defend Eddie, um, you know, in some senses. And I've really tried to defend the club's decision in some senses to renew him. Now, I have some issues with the amount they invested in him as a player. I can't hide that worry and that doubt however I do kind of look at a five million per year investment in a player that gives you as you've described there 11 goals and 11 starts 
you know, and I look at that as a very good return. Um, and you can't not look at it as a very good return because it is. And at the end of last season, when Eddie Nketiah came in over Lacazette, which was not a decision made through injury, it was a decision that Mikel Arteta chose to do, was not forced into, chose to swap out Lacazette for Nketiah, and we were rewarded with his end-of-season goals. We kind of wish he'd done it sooner, and with the benefit of hindsight, maybe he should have done. But this season, Jesus comes in, and you know, is not Jesus. And Jesus is a world-class forward who, yes, doesn't give you world-class numbers of goals, but gives you world-class collaboration, integration, and uh, and just fluidity with the team. You know, it's just the perfect fit for that number nine role in Arteta's system. Nketiah is not that. He's not the perfect fit. But what he is, is he's just kind of more of a traditional um, play off the last man, spin off the last man and shoot striker. Great in the box when you need him to be. And when he gets a sight on goal, he's usually pretty darn good. Yes, he misses some chances, but he has a lot of shots in the games because he gets himself into really good positions. He's got the, the mindset of getting into those good roles and those good positions. He doesn't get into all the areas that Jesus does because he's not the same type of player. So what do I need to see from him? Just goals. I need to see what I saw yesterday. I need to see these performances. I need to see him getting into those chances. I need to see when he gets into those positions, him taking the chances. And this season, and the Southampton game in particular, when he missed that really big chance, you know, to help us, which could have won us the game, it was those moments that give me more concern. But in these types of games where he got that chance against West Ham and he took it, I can't ask for anything more. I love the fact he's bulked up. I don't know if you've seen some of the pictures of him yesterday. He's really returned after the mid-season break. Um, more muscular, stronger, bulkier. That'll help him. That helps him do those spins. It's what's helped Saka. Saka's developed physically, and that's what helps him spin players and get behind and, and do what he does really well. You know, it's. I think it's harsh to say I don't rate him. I just don't necessarily see him as a player that's good enough to be Arsenal's long-term starting striker. I don't think that's a, a far-fetched or crazy um position to have and maybe if Eddie's watching this he'll be annoyed and I'm sorry Eddie if that's the case but you know I I only want success for him I only want him to succeed I only want him to keep scoring for us because if it benefits Arsenal it's it's, it's only a good thing um do Arsenal need to go out and sign as Ralph Felix I'd like us to I think we still need to bring that reinforcement in I think we need to be ruthless in the market and I want to see us be ruthless in the market but that's that's kind of where my head's at with Eddie um I hope that's a good enough answer for you, Olu, um, and I hope it answers your question. Um, Esmond said, Eddie is fast, aggressive, good in positions, good with shots and passes. He is underrated, my friends. How many times Gabriel Jesus missed goals in front of the goal? We need to support this guy. Yeah, you know, and it's something I've been critical of indeed, is Jesus is finishing. It needs to be better. And we that's one of the things that was talked about before we signed him, is that he does miss chances. Um, it's just everything else about it. The thing is, if Jesus could finish like in Ketia, which sounds mad, but he is a Nketi is a better finisher. You know, if, if we, in a one-on-one situation, I'd back Nketi over Jesus to finish the chance. We don't have too many one-on-one situations because teams play so deep against us that we don't typically get into those situations. Um, and that's why Jesus and what he does to set up other chances and set up other players and to press and to Harry is so good. And he does score some very good goals for us still. Um that's why he's still very much our world-class starting forward. But Eddie can just keep doing what he's doing. That's, that's all he needs to do. That's all he needs to do. Um, 
Guna Jake says, Tom, do you think that we should get another striker seeing that Eddie won't be able to play all the competitions? Yes, absolutely. I think I, I touched on that. Maybe I touched on that before you asked the question. But yeah, if, if we can sign Joao Felix on loan, I absolutely would go and sign Joao Felix on loan. I think that'd be a great addition to the squad. Um, let's go to 1.1k watching and only 55 likes is mad. Yes, that's crazy. Come on, guys. There's nearly 1,200 of you watching this show. Please do drop a like on the video. Do Show your support and appreciation for the fact that we put on these shows every single day, bright and early in the morning, so you can get updated and stay up to date with all of the latest Arsenal news and tackle as many of your questions as I feasibly can. It's just impossible to answer them all, but I do try to tackle them as many as possible, whether you're a member, whether you're just a listener. Uh, and I really do genuinely appreciate all of you. So please do drop a like on the video and subscribe if you're new. Uh, Amira says, if we had signed Eddie from another club in the summer, how much do you think we would have paid based on his end of season? season performance well it depends on a lot of factors it depends on how much that contract had Samira because of course he was free you know um he, he wasn't he didn't have any time left on his deal so if he was under a five-year let's say three three is probably fair if he was under a three-year contract you probably would have ended up playing about 20 million pounds I think you know homegrown highest score in the England on 21s has come off the back of a really good strong end to the season good age 23 24 um so I think you probably would have paid around 20 million for him. Um, I tell you what, if we'd assigned him, there probably would be a very different perception of him. But because we've seen a lot of him, we know a lot of Inketu, and we know that um, we know what he's done previously, uh, it's very difficult to kind of then get your mindset around seeing more when you've seen so much of somebody already. And that's why the new toy syndrome, I like to describe it as comes into transfers and stuff like that really easily. Uh, it comes into those types of things. So yeah, a lot of you are saying 30 to 40. I think that's probably too much in my opinion. You know, I, I don't think it would be 30 to 40 for a player like Eddie and Keto with three years left on his deal. If he scored four premier league goals, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily think he would go for more than 20 million. Um, I think that's a fair price. Maybe because Arsenal, uh, maybe because Arsenal would be the one signing him that it would add a bit more onto him. Maybe that's me on being a little bit under, but I think 20 would have been a more of a fair price. I mean, Cody Gakpo's just gone for 37. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm breaking my own rules about comparing players. Uh, Elliot says, Tom, uh, can you see Rafael Liao as Arsenal striker for the future? Probably not. I know he said he likes Arsenal and he's watched them this season, but... I just don't see Arsenal paying what AC Milan want. I think he will sign a new deal with Milan, which will only make his future price tag very, very high indeed. Uh, Ronald says, that one player you would sign to improve our starting midfield in the summer, uh, Milinkovic, Savic, Rice or Bellingham? It would be Bellingham. You know, I just think Bellingham is is different class, different level. And if, if Arsenal win the league this season, which is a big, big if, big, 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 big if, um, we should go all out. We should go all out and say, look, we're the, league, we're, we're the champions, we're the league winners, the best mate Saka's here. Ignore Jordan Henderson, he's going to retire soon. You don't have to play with him very long. Um, come play for Arsenal. You know, come play in Arsenal's midfield, sit in front of Partey, sit behind Odegaard, do your magic, do your business, help Arsenal become double title winners, push them towards a Champions League title. We should go all out and try and sign Bellingham if we win the league. There's no, there's, there's just nothing that can't convince me otherwise. And he would be worth the, the, the breaking our transfer record to try and go and get him. So yeah, Bellingham all day long, you know. But I just, I can't see it happening. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't. I just can't see that happening. Um, 
Mohamed says, we must learn from Liverpool about how to wrap up deals quickly, always, and Chelsea is spending big on young talents. Again, I think this is a misconception. I think a lot of pl- a lot of people follow Arsenal so religiously that they think we're quite slow with doing deals. And actually, they aren't following teams like Liverpool doing the Gakpo deal, which has you know, probably been going on behind the scenes for a long time. Arsenal is also one of the most widely reported teams in the on the planet. You know, you've probably got more sources in and around Arsenal, along with Manchester United, than any other team in, in, the, in the world in terms of how much gets talked about, how much digging happenings, how many reporters there are. You only have to go to Arsenal on a match day to see it, you know. So I think there's a misconception that we're slow because I think there's a misconception in how long these rumours are reported for, how long these talks are talked about. You know, and Arsenal also, there is a fact that Arsenal want to get deals done for what they believe to be a price that is not going to undermine their future business. They also have priorities, and clearly they see Mudrick as a priority over Gakpo. Man United were in the in the mix for Gakpo, it seems, but Jurgen Klopp has come in and got that deal done. We don't know how long the talks between Liverpool and Gakpo and PSV have been going on behind the scenes. We don't know. And Arsenal have wrapped up deals quickly. You think of Fabio Vieira, you think of Matt Ryan, you think of the exit of of Callum Chambers. You know, these are deals that we got done very quickly and behind the scenes. Sometimes deals are publicised for a long time, sometimes they're not. I don't buy criticism of Arsenal being too slow uh, to negotiate deals. What I'm, what I'm not as, what I'm more critical of is the ruthlessness, and sometimes they can be a bit too cautious. Um, but in terms of talks and getting deals done quickly, you know, Arsenal can and have done that. But I think actually it's more of a psychological misconception around the fact that we don't follow the other teams anywhere near as as rigorously. So our perception of how long it takes them to get deals done is significantly shorter, when in reality it's probably a similar amount of time. And obviously things go on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Uh, Jenny Pig says, thoughts on Mohamed Kudus. Uh, The guy looks awesome. Right age, wouldn't be too expensive and would be a perfect transition for when Partey starts to get too old. Uh, I don't see him as number six, to be honest. So I don't think that he would be... That player, I see him more as a player that plays where Odegaard would play for us, to be honest. And we've already got Fabio Vieira and Odegaard, of course, there, and Smith Rowe coming back. I don't think that Kudus is the player that we need to go and sign. Uh, It's just not the one for me. Uh, Bradley says, uh, do you think Arsenal not signing Danilo means that they want to bring in Charlie Patino into the summer first-team squad? Potentially, Bradley. I do think there is more about the idea that Danilo... Danilo's been very overhyped. Um... I think when you do more research, more digging into him, and you see that if, as I use the example, if we were if we were watching Arsenal play Man City tomorrow, and I had the and Partey wasn't available, and let's say Xhaka was only going to play a number eight role, if you had to choose between Danilo and El Nenny to face Man City tomorrow, it's El Nenny all day long. There's not even a question. There's not even a debate. Like, it is El Nini. And I think that's the point of view they're coming from at the moment, is they'd rather see a player that they sign in that position come in and give them more of an immediate impact and competition. They're looking at this Ibrahim Bamba guy. I don't know too much about him, so I can't comment on whether he's more ready. Um, But he has just been called up to train with Roberto Mancini's senior Italian squad. So that gives you some kind of the indication of where he's viewed and kind of the level he's being viewed at. So I would be intrigued to do a little bit more digging on him to find out a bit more. I know that Danilo has been on the edge of the Brazilian side and the Brazilian squad is very competitive. But 
it's that, that's where I think the Danilo thing is. But Patino has had a great first half of the season. We've done plenty of updates for you guys on our loan shows. We're bringing you another loan update at the end of January. Um, we'll be telling you all about where the players have gone, uh, if anyone else leaves or is recalled or goes out on loan again. And of course, we're bringing you updates on how the likes of Patino, Norton Cuffey, Pepe, Tavares, etc., have been getting on. So, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Um, let's scroll up a bit more. Uh, there was a comment I wanted to get. Oh, there was another, um, another uh, super chat from Iris says, lol, quick to type, uh, but I can't like the video. I don't know why you can't like the video. Usually there's a little drop down box below the video. Sometimes they hide the like button. It's really annoying. It stopped. It's made, it's made liking videos so much harder. Um, I don't know why they've bothered to do that, but yeah. Uh, I think it's easier on phone. Maybe it's easier on computer, but yeah. Uh, also, of course, if you would like to, to help support the channel, you can join up as a member. Uh, you get access to our Discord server, which has been amazing. Uh, one of our very committed listeners, Francois, gifted 50 memberships the other day uh, very kindly. And, uh, and yeah, I, you know, if, if people like leaving Super Chats, you know, and I know that they do, I think a, a, a great way to, to, you know, really share in the community vibe is where, gifting these memberships. I think that's a great uh, thing that people have discovered and, and, and come upon. So there you go. Um, let's go to <laughs> Max says, I've smashed the like button. I don't know about you guys. Uh, Cosa says, Tom, do you think there is any merit to the ideology of signing Felix on loan until the end of the season? And then Balogun can come in and provide an option. I think because it's a great way of looking at it, you know, they don't really want to recall Balogun. I always said when I reported that recall clause earlier on in in December that it, I'd be very surprised if they recall Balogun because they want him to develop more. They want him to keep going. And if you sign Joao Felix on loan, it's it's kind of risk free. You know, I know it's an investment, a heavy investment for a loan. I think it's much better to say that you're investing in someone of quality for the now and you're investing in giving Balogun chances to continue to impress to then come back maybe in the summer and fight for a place. We're going to need a deeper squad. We're going to need more options. So I kind of like the idea of having Balogun at the club next season. Um, I do kind of still think we have to choose between Eddie and Balogun, but we talk about this. And at the same time, we're looking at this season going, well, what if Eddie gets injured? Like we need three forwards. We need three players that can play through the middle. And yet we're saying that we need to choose between Nketiah and Balogun next summer. It's a difficult dynamic, I think, because the age profile of both of them and where they're at in their careers at Arsenal makes it even harder. And maybe we need to bring in more of a versatile forward. Than, but to say that Balogun's been playing on the left, he's been playing through the middle, and Ketia can play in a wide area as well if we need him to. Martinelli can play through the middle. Smith-Rowe and Vieira have been backed publicly by Arteta to play centrally if they need to. It's it's a difficult scenario, but I think you're spot on in terms of your theory, Cosa. I think Alonso Jarrell Felix would be perfect, and I think that's probably what we need to end up doing. Um, anyway, we're going to end the show there because I'll be going on ridiculously long for a morning show uh, over 50 minutes. Thank you to the over 1,200 of you that have been tuning in live. I think there's been plenty more across the whole hour. It means so much to me that you continue to support the show. Thank you to everybody that watched and left really kind comments on yesterday's announcement video also means a lot i've tried to reply to as many of you 
as I can. Um, I really do try and invest the time to, to reply to as many people as possible um, when they leave really, really kind comments on the channel, as always. Uh, we will be doing a dedicated reaction to yesterday's win over West Ham later on today at two o'clock UK time in the afternoon. So do indeed join us for that. I hope you have a fantastic 27th. I don't know what you call these days between Christmas and New Year's. It's kind of this weird in-between period. But for whatever you're doing, I hope it's great. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, thank you for watching. Do drop a like. Do subscribe to the channel if you're new. I'll see you this afternoon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.